This is Rugger Matrix America. Hey everybody, welcome to the show brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions and a little segment of the show also brought to you by Varsity Travel. This is Alex Goff from the Goff Rugby Report, joined as always by Pat Clifton from Rugby Today and Bruce McLean. And guys, we're working our way through the, the hot, slow uh, summer, t- summer months. We've got our Club 7s going, a few other things going on. Um, and we do have a big topic to uh, bring up, but did you guys see on Facebook that uh, Todd Clever and Scott Lavalla went running with the Bulls in Pamplona? I did see that. I'm impressed and jealous. Yeah. Um, it, 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 hopefully, hopefully they stayed at the front of the pack and let uh, the Daredevils at the back of the pack get gored by the Bulls, but they seem to have survived intact, which is uh, fine. Bruce, you ever do that? Did I ever run with the Bulls? <laughs> You're barely you're ba- you're lucky to see me get out of air conditioning. Never mind, go running with the bulls. I will tell you, I'm really excited about Juro Sen's new project, Image Matrix, where he's going to show on YouTube videos how to do technology on the computer. So I had done that podcast coach talk, and then for whatever reason, my my I can't figure out how to get my stuff to work. So I'm going to be going on Image Matrix, and maybe I'll get Coach Talk back up and running and try to talk to some interesting coaches. But it, that's going to be pretty cool. He's pretty good at it. Oh, he knows it, he knows it all. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, look for that. And Juro Sen uh, runs the Rugger Matrix International Show. Go to RuggerMatrix.com. Check it out on iTunes. Check it out on uh, Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all of it, in fact. Uh, we've got uh, a, an interesting show because we're right in the middle of the moment of the whole uh, USA men's sevens team uh, adjustment, shall we call it. Uh, Matt Hawkins uh, basically was dismissed in one of the weirder uh, press releases from USA Rugby, one of the most refle- refreshingly... Uh, uh, s- somewhat honest press releases you might see um, in which he's quoted as saying, I didn't want to go, but I'm stepping down. I've been asked to step down, which is uh, pretty direct right there. When you're asked to step down, that's kind of the same as being fired, right? And uh, and Matt, Matt Hawkins gone. All kinds of speculation as to who it's going to be. Um, Pat, I know you have some pretty strong opinions on that, which is great. Uh, and we're coming in right after uh, former Kenya assistant Chris Brown has been put on the staff as an assistant. He's not the head coach. And I've already gotten questions asking if he's going to be promoted to head coach. Well, then why wouldn't they have hired him as head coach? Uh, Pat, Bruce, first of all, give me some names other than the obvious one. Any names that people have been saying they think either should or would be uh, – hired these guys. And I'll, I'll give you one. People keep bringing up Alex Magleby to me. Um, I, I still think Alex Magleby would not do it uh, because of the same reasons as why he stepped down. Those things haven't changed. So he's got his job with the USA Rugby. He's not going to do it. But people keep thinking about it. Any other interesting names, goofy names, things that just don't make any sense that anyone's brought up? 
Um, you know, there's James Walker always keeps coming back, which is a guy who has a strained relationship with USA rugby and, and really Nigel Melville. Um, so I don't foresee him ever being a serious candidate as long as Melville is, uh, is at the helm in, in Boulder. But, um, so it's a little bit of a, anybody who suggests him, I think is either wishful thinking or doesn't realize the relationship there. Um, though he makes sense, certainly from a, as far as any domestic coach or, you know, his resume is as good as any domestic coach. Um, the other guy is David Fee, um, and and he's you know David obviously played is a seventh and fifteenth eagle and has been coaching ever since in eighth grade setups and whatnot. Um, you know him and Salty Thompson are two guys, two names that I've seen um, pop up, um, but I you know I, I don't think either one of those were actually on the radar. And I haven't heard anything. I I would have speculated Mike Friday, and. I can still speculate that a little bit because they may be using the approach that John O wanted to use when he went to Ospreys yep. from the 15s program, possibly goes part-time and has his person in there. I, I haven't heard any speculation outside of that. And then when he took the London Scottish position, then there was nothing. Then I, So I would look at it and say – it's funny that in once you start talking Olympics, a lot of the sharks come out, and I think that that's kind of probably what happened to Hawkins, is that the uh, there's definitely someone was in the pipeline for them to fire him. They didn't just fire him and then say we're going to go looking. Somebody had to come available. Something had to happen that prompted the firing because it was completely unexpected by everyone. And so that said – there was there was something there. Now I don't know who or what that something is. I mean, you could you could look at Billy Millard who was doing HP, but Alex is doing seven H sevens HP, and Billy has a uh, has an international coaching um, track record with Australia. I I it's, don't know. It's gonna be Mike. It, it's well, oh yeah, be, be, next okay, coach will yes, be Mike. Right. Okay. So oh, be, sorry. Be, I don't. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you, guys, right, be, you guys be, know that's fine. before oh, before we get into that. I just want to. I don't have any wacky. I, I, oh, okay. No wacky. Uh, Jeff Alley, New Zealand. That was brought up. Tony Pacheco. Uh, that was brought up to me. Um, uh, and you know, I did hear people start talking about David Fee, or they they talk about uh, you know some other some other uh, coaches around and out there. Ben Gallings brought up because, um, or, or Wiseli Sarevi, um, who I, yeah. Um, they're they're brought up. Well, here, here's the thing that the, the point I wanted to make about that is that the mistake you can make in looking around for a coach and not to denigrate anybody I just mentioned is that an international rugby coach, an international rugby sevens coach isn't the same as who's the best guy available. And just because somebody coaches a team to a few club championships doesn't necessarily mean he's the guy to run an international program. And it could be that your guy, you know, the, the, the reason Alex Magleby I thought was successful in the short run was because um, how supremely organized and intelligent he was. The reason uh, I think Matt Hawkins had some some things go well for him was because of his organizational and, and, and his ideas on the organizational side on the field different matter but it's not 
just the best guy available. Oh, let's just shunt him up. That's extremely old thinking. You've got to find a professional coach who knows what the arena is like, which means tune to you, Pat Clifton. You are, and I think Bruce agrees here, you are very strong. You very strongly believe that Mike Friday, who was the, the one name everyone was bringing up, Mike Friday taking the job at London Scottish as director of rugby is not the end of the story. No, not at all. I mean, did I think it was at first? Yeah, sure. That threw me off the trail a little bit, but I've been told that it's Mike Friday. And if it's not Mike Friday, something's changed. So I've now in the amount of people I've talked to know for sure that the plan was for it to be Mike Friday. So if it's no longer going to be Mike Friday, now it looks a little fishy with all this. Once the contract settled, you know, piece of that last press release when they announced Chris Brown, they said, well, we'll announce the head coach when the contract's up. It's a, that's a little fishy and a little weird to see in a press release. So unless there's some kind of weird contractual um, changes or there's a, there's a last minute change hard, it's going to be Mike Friday. And I've heard that from enough people now to say it pretty confidently. Um, and I think, you know, the model that they're going to look at is, you know, for a long time. And I remember, Alex, you, you talking about this and the amount of ownership that the the, the sevens coach had over everything. I mean, when Al Caravelli was doing it, he was the recruiter. He was the manager. He was the actual coach. He was going out doing fundraising. I mean, he had to do literally every aspect of the job and you know, that's too much. Um, and I, I think you're going to see that job split up and you have seen it split up with Chris Brown, his, his strength coach. And really more than just that, he's not just a, a traditional strength conditioning coach. He has skills. He does player development. He's, He's done all that with, with Mike. I think he's going to be the guy on the ground at the OTC um, day in and day out, week in and week out. Mike will be there for every camp before they go on, you know, the, the two leg tours of Asia, you know, like the New Zealand, USA. He'll be, he'll be there on the ground for those, for those camps leading up to their, to the tours and at the tours. And he'll be at the OTC more than that. Um, but I think him switching from a backs coaching role to a director of rugby role uh, more of a behind-the-scenes role, um, or I'm not behind-the-scenes, a backroom role, it frees him up a little bit at, at the, on the from that perspective to do it as well. So I think I, he will I, juggle both. I don't know. I don't know about the, the. I mean, the job description on director of rugby is kind of weird, but I mean, it really is somebody who sets forth the the plan is how are we going to play, who are we going to be. I mean, it's a partly general manager. Somewhat, but it's it, it, who we who's going to be on the field for us. How are we going to play? How are we going to coach? That's not necessarily something that has to be done day to day, right? Um, I mean, that's the, that's what Alex Magleby was doing for Dartmouth when he was the head seven yeah, coach. Yeah. He was still employed by Dartmouth. Bruce, you mentioned the old thing. Okay, Scott Johnson, um, two thousand nine, says. Basically, there's not enough money to pay me. There's not enough uh, money around to professionalize the, the 15s team. So I'm going to go talk to the Ospreys. And the upshot was he was going to be dire director of rugby there, share time, and also coach the Eagles. Um, uh, I think what happened there, Nigel Melville looked at that deal and said, I don't like it. And um, basically told Johnson it's one or the other. And Johnson took the job with the Ospreys. So, so that wasn't, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that was going to work with the 15s team. Um, partly because when the 15s team plays is probably when you really have the director of rugby working extremely hard, which is partly in the summer, to set up your team for success in the fall and spring uh, and winter. 
Bruce, do you think somebody can can do these two jobs? It really depends upon how they can coordinate themselves. You can work on on different things and and spend your time in different areas. I mean, there's CEOs who run multiple conglomerates of, of, of many organizations, so it can definitely be done. Whether it can be done well under the way we've had several coaches in in several years and I was doing a little bit of I did a little bit of research on on some stuff and and I and I found a couple of possibly interesting things and coaches that you know have had some some success in in American sports uh, one being Chuck Knoll whose first year he was one in 13 second year he was five and nine third year he was six and eight and you know, didn't win a Super Bowl for, for quite a while. And, and then he had a winning record after, but nothing spectacular. Uh, Krzyzewski, when he went to Duke, was 17 and 13, then took it to 10 and 17 and 11 and 17. You know, that probably would have gotten him fired in this day and age. And um, and then I looked at this guy, Tom Landry, who was a relatively successful coach, who was 0 and 11, 4 and 9, 5, 8 and 1, 4 and 10, 5, 8 and 1, seven and seven and then then they lost the ice bowl but so you look at it that way and in order to have a a coach be able to be successful you need to have if you believe in the vision then you have to give them a chance to implement the vision and we have not done that in any way shape or form our successful coaches internationally graham henry didn't achieve what he wanted to achieve right away. Uh, um, Clive Woodward didn't achieve what he wanted to achieve right away. And things take time. It took time for Bob Dwyer. It took time for several other coaches who were in there. And I I think that whatever it is, at some point, if if Melville and the board believe in the vision, you got to allow the vision to happen or you got to give these guys – the autonomy to carry out the responsibility which which they've been charged with, and I don't know that that's necessarily the case. That's my. Well, I, I I agree with you. I I, 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 don't, I agree with you. We we Pat and I had an argument about uh, uh, Al Caravelli back in 2011, and when the team was not playing well, and and in retrospect, I have to look back and say it was probably the right thing for Caravelli to move on. It was certainly, I think, the right thing for him to move on. Uh, but at the time, all the talk was, we've got a young team. We've got a lot of turnover. We need to develop this young team. And it seems like what that really means is we'll let you do poorly in two or three tournaments. But after that, all bets are off. You better be uh, better be performing, um, which I don't think happens with a rebuilding program. And I think the same deal was with Matt Hawkins. I don't, I don't agree with all the decisions Matt Hawkins uh, made. And um, I'm not sure. And, and I think his hiring kind of flew in the face of what USA Rugby's um, policies has been for some years, which is get an experienced coach. And then they turned around and got a, a guy who's just come off the field playing. But what they said was, you know, they know that he had a really, really young team. He'd lost a bunch of not only experienced players but leaders, and he gets a year. It, it just seems like um, 
If you, if it, it seems to me that if you work for USA Rugby as a coach and you're told, well, we understand that you've got a rebuilding program and uh, you know you you need some time. What that means is you probably got six months. Well, well, Pat probably wants to answer his argument part, and and then I'll answer that yeah, after. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I think it. I think it's safe to say, um, and maybe that was the whole argument that that Al had his time. Yeah, Al had his time to have an extremely successful team. It wasn't happening, and so a change was made, and they bring in Alex Magleby. And Alex Magleby, if he still wanted to be the head sevens coach, would be the head sevens coach. So he was given as much time as um, he wanted to to be able to do it. Then they bring in Hawkins and. It was a puzzling decision from the beginning, and now you start working backwards, in my mind, about, you know, what what really, why was it Hawkins, and, and why was it Hawkins when it was Hawkins? Um, and kind of looking at some of the, the timeline of that, did they want Mike Friday a year ago? Because Hawkins was named August 1st, right? And that's right around the time that uh, England was still looking for a coach, and Mike Friday wanted to be in that discussion, and he made it publicly known he wanted the England job. So did they want Mike Friday a year ago and just weren't willing to wait for him to not get the England job in order they, they weren't willing to wait for him to, to turn to not get that so they could hire him because they were up against it to, to get a new coach and then they hired somebody that um, they could, you know, I, I don't know if guiltlessly or what, you know, knowing do they know 12 months ago there's a possibility they'd be letting go of Hawkins if Friday had become available. I don't know. I that's, mean, that's just a conspiracy, complete and utter speculation. I, I, I don't. Th- I don't think that's conspiracy. I think that's a legitimate question. Well, I mean, the, the, you start looking yeah. at Hawkins and the timing of how everything breaks down. You know, they name uh, Magleby the national development director. Um, that makes a lot of sense now if Mike Friday is indeed the coach, because it's a really a three pronged approach. You've got three guys running your your sevens program, and if you're going to have Mike Friday, who's not always going to be in the country, especially doing all the scouting and stuff that Hawkins, Caravelli, and Magleby did, you need a guy who's basically your GM, who's your player acquisition talent talent identification guy. So that's what Alex Magleby has become. And that's what that job was for him from day one. So did they create that knowing that they were going to get a coach that wasn't going to be here constantly? Um, You know, I think Chris Brown, that speculation has been going on for weeks that he was coming over here. So you start working backwards a little bit and it's, it's completely, there's, there's rumors of Magleby and, and, and Hawkins not having a uh, talking relationship for months whether that's true or not, I don't know. But um, if it was, obviously, that you well, think that I, would lead to Hawkins th- being I think, gone. I, but I think we're hearing uh, there are a bunch of stuff going around that that Hawkins didn't really uh, listen to much advice. And and he, remember that at, at one point they announced a, a whole group of coaches that were going to help him out, right? They were going to be a staff. And mm-hmm. Gollings was in there. And Sarevi was in there. Andre Snyman was in that group. And as I understand it, they sort of showed up, did a little bit, and then that was it. That you know, right. he he he. The the way I understand it, um, Matt Hawkins didn't really listen to other people, and and for me that that smacks of a little bit of defensiveness. Isn't that something that potentially came to light? I mean, it doesn't. Ha- it, it, it's not necessarily that they're de- just designing this all for Mike Friday. Um, it may be that they were just looking to uh, um, 
you know, set set something up that's new and and get people to be involved. And then maybe Melville thought that Hawkins was going to be the kind of guy who listens to other ideas, and maybe he turned out not to be. You know what? Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, you know, that's that's possible. I mean, the whole Hawkins deal. I mean, look. He wasn't given the right amount of time, and I, I wrote about that. And I, I, if they really hired him, knowing that it was very possibly a one-year deal for him, I think it was it was unfair to treat him that way, and especially to lead him to believe that he was going to have the kind of autonomy um, as a coach that McElby had before him and Carabelli had before him. If that's in fact what happened, um, you know, if they were, if he would have had a better year and he could still be kept on, whether Friday was available or not, um, then. I think that they, they judged him poorly, just like Bruce was alluding to with all those coaching records, you know, the early coaching records. You know, I, he was given 11 months, Matt Hawkins was. If Alex McElby was given 11 months, he never would have beat South Africa twice. He never would have beat Fiji twice. He had to take three of his couple of final appearances off the board. You know, I, so he wasn't given the time to make it work. That said, if it was – done like if they determined that he just was not the guy for whatever reason he was not the guy because he wasn't communicating or not willing to accept help then they have to make the change but they should have made it sooner nonetheless the timing was still bad and they shouldn't have made the mistake and hired him to begin with so when you make a controversial hire like they did in hiring a guy who had never coached to the international level or anywhere near it had only coached at the collegiate level for a very short amount of time and who was a player and who's going to be this player coach. And you have all that kind of drama, right? If you're going to, if you're going to hire that guy, you can't just go pull the plug on him without giving him his chance. This all goes back to Nigel Melville from day one. I put it on my Facebook not that long ago. And some people respond to it, but name one American sport, American sport where a general manager, the guy that goes and hires a coach, hire three coaches in three years, the last one being a completely controversial hire to begin with that nobody was really on board with when it happened and then fire him and be a 12th place team and get a chance to hire a fourth coach in his many years. This, uh, I, I saw, I saw that. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I replied to that and you know what uh, it, you know, you, you're saying that, that the general manager wouldn't keep his job and, and I disagree with you and I would say every single uh sport that happens it's uh well it wouldn't it, happen it, in the nfl I, oh, oh, okay well, well you know what all right uh, and my my reply to you at the time was you're obviously not a seattle mariners fan because that exactly thing that that exact scenario happened <laughs> and and the general right. manager is still with the team um the the issue here is that okay nigel melville made a mistake what mistake did he make did he make the mistake in hiring matt hawkins um, or did he make the mistake in firing Man Hawkins? And it seems to me that if you ma- you can hire a guy who, you know, let's say you decide that you're going to hire a, a, a player's coach and he's going to work with the players and you want him to be close to the players and make everybody happy and it's going to be a one big happy family. And he says, yeah, totally on board. That's exactly how I want to operate. And then he shows up and he is dictatorial and... Um, he drives them away. Now, I'm not saying that Hawkins do that. I'm using that as just sort of a generic example. People do that all the time. And then you just say, well, you didn't, you're not as, a, as advertised. And now here we are in the offseason. You're gone. 
And I think that that's legitimate. I think he did make a mistake in hiring Matt Hawkins because I don't think Matt Hawkins was ready. And I don't think, based on everything I've, I've talked about in terms of coaching with Nigel Melville about uh, other people he's considered, where you say, well, what about this guy? He goes, well, how much coaching has he done? What about this guy? How much serious coaching has he done? He always asked that question. He didn't ask that of, of uh, Hawkins. And then he got an inexperienced international coach. He turned around and said, hmm. I don't like it. We're going to go a different direction. And the, I really think that's okay. But what I wonder is what you brought, about, brought up just before that, which is, was it all planned out with the idea that if I fire him, big whoop, because I'm hoping that, that Mike Friday or whoever I have on my, next on my list is going to be available in July 2014. And that's kind of, that's, that's like, hanging Hawkins out to dry in, in, in that sense unless Hawkins made like top seven in the World Series he was gone anyway that sucks well, I, I, first I would say you know when someone's talking crappy to you when they, they tell you all crappy stories about everybody else you understand that they're talking crappy about you to everybody else too <laughs> so that's kind of what's been going on in the coaching ranks in sevens. Um, so now, whether or not Matt Hawkins was the correct or incorrect hire, it, it, at some point you have to accept responsibility. Either you believe in a vision or you don't. Whether Magleby was the correct one or Caravelli or anybody else, the way, the way it was done with, with Caravelli was a disgrace. Regardless of whether or not you said he should go or not go, the way it was handled, the way he got fired was inappropriate, and that's just not how you treat people. It's just not how you do it. And if, it, and, and if anybody disagrees with me, then, then I think that you need to relearn how to treat people in a respectful manner. The, as far as, as Magleby goes, I don't know how that ending happened, whether or not it was – you know, truly that he, he wanted to do that. I didn't speak to him about that. So I have no idea. And the way I'd go, out, Hawkins, I'd go out on a limb and say that he, he did it for personal reasons. Then that's fine. And, yeah. and I, and I would, I would, I'm, I've heard nothing different. So I'll keep it at that. And the way that the Hawkins one was handled was not, it wasn't handled right. And if you're, if I was named coach to do anything and you told me I had to accept help, I'll accept help from guys I trust. Don't tell me who to accept help from or you do it yourself. I mean, seriously? Yeah. What the, what the hell track record of success in sevens, fifteens, or anything here does Nigel Melville have? He's destroyed the collegiate competition and the men's competition. The sevens program has gotten no better and the fifteens program is, is, is the same. So – Serious. I mean, honestly, he's not one to be making decisions or throwing stones at anyone and saying they need to accept accept help from who. Either you're hiring me because you believe in what I can do, or you're not. And that's the way it, you you unless you have truly trusted confidants in your coaching staff that can be very honest with you and say, "Hey, man, you're wrong." Or, hey, man, you know, you got to change the way you're operating. That's what 
that's what real men do. They're able to speak to each other man to man. They don't have this hierarchical approach. When when you could be wrong here, Bruce, but I, sorry, I, was, I could be wrong here, but I think the only person that Nigel shoved in front of Matt and said, "Here, you have you know this is a guy you have to take advice from," or "This is a guy on your staff," was, was Alex Magleby. You know, Dave Williams, the Andre Stamens, these other guys. I think uh, I think I think some of those were Matt Hawkins' decisions, and he changed his mind on those. Um, so I think the only guy that was really shocked, but that's not to say that I'm defending the way USA Rugby treats people because they do a terrible job. The way they treated these players, the Preston and Brian example in the, this whole Hawkins debacle is terrible. They're a very unprofessional outfit when it comes to communication and how they handle their people. There's no arguing that. And I'm, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Alex Magleby isn't a guy that you should listen to. Or not listen to. I'm just saying that the head coach is the head coach. And and either you accept who he wants to listen to or don't. And if yeah. they chose to fire him because of that, then that's fine. So you're saying that if you don't listen to the previous head coach, then you're fired. Okay. I'm, I, I don't know what Alex and Matt's um, relationship is. I do know that that a couple of the players that, that I know enjoyed the atmosphere under Alex. That's it. I'm not, not under Alex, under, under Matt. Um, and under Alex, I haven't heard anything. Um, so I don't, I don't know anything, but under, under Matt, I heard that it was pretty good and that the atmosphere was good and the players were getting better and, and, and people were moving back and forth with 15s and things. I'm, I don't have the answer. I'm just saying that my personal opinion is that you treat people professionally, you learn what makes them tick, and you show respect within the ranks of the organization. And you don't force people to do – again, if his responsibility is to be the head coach of the team, you've got to give him the authority to carry out that responsibility without forcing upon him – so if Mike Friday isn't the head coach now, and if this head coach didn't want these assistant coaches or the way this is going to be run, then they're blithering idiots, and they'll be lucky to qualify for the Olympics. The, the fact is, how much, how much over, you know, what does the board have to say? What, what does anyone have to say? Who's accepting responsibility for the direction of this program? It's seemingly... Alex has kind of got his hand in it, but kind of doesn't. Um, now you have a new assistant coach, which is, by all accounts, he's an excellent coach. I don't know the guy from a hole in the wall. And we'll see. It takes time to, to develop. You don't just drop culture in. Culture is something you do every day. Culture is your everyday activity. So possibly they're gonna, they'll change a, a few things as to, as to how they operate, but Olympic qualification is 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 coming, and you know they'll probably be one of those teams that does qualify, based on the fact that the uh, the four the the four home nations only get one shot, one spot. They won't so, qualify. Then at, at this point, they're not going to qualify. I'll tell the you United States will not yeah, qualify. They will, will not qualify, uh, based on their current form. They will not qualify. They'll lose to Canada, and then they'll lose to Australia. 
Well, then that'll be uh, then then that'll be then there'll be some like you know the Olympics really caused the sharks to come out. When, when you get into professional sports, you don't necessarily see the best guy. You see the best shark. But that, they're the, necessarily that, the best coach. That's no, that's exactly right. But it it it's also brought out that urgency. If we didn't have Olympic qualification looming, would uh, someone like Matt Hawkins have been given more time? Are, are we feeling the it, urgency it, but, because but, we've got a year until we qualify, try well, to qualify for the Olympics? Well, if they weren't thinking about it last year, <laughs> when they hired them, well, they, what they looked, I mean, what they if, what they saw was, well, we've got some time to develop young players and let's move on. And the whole idea was, you know, what what, what someone like what what a general manager's thinking, or when people say, well, we're rebuilding, is, oh, okay, so you might win the shield. Or the bowl, the first few tournaments, you might make the bowl final, but then halfway through you start consistently making the cup quarterfinals. That's what you they're what? thinking, which is you not, know what? not what rebuilding is. You know what? I get tired of hearing all this shit. Seriously, <laughs> rebuilding? Give me a break. Either reload or go yeah, home. I know. Because this whole attitude of rebuild, you can rebuild until you're purple. At some point, you got to accept we're going to change our attitude. We're going to change the way we operate, and we're going to win, and that's the way it's going to be. So, and we're going to do things this way, this way, and this way, because those are winning behaviors, and they're going to be practiced every single day. We're going to do what has to be done when it has to be done, the best way we know how to do it, and we're going to do it that way every single time. And we're going to practice with the intensity that makes it harder than the game. So that when we go into the game, we're ready. And when we're mentally ready, that's the other thing that everybody says, oh, it's all mental. It's all mental, but they don't train the mind. The mind will die well before the body does because the mind is in far worse condition than the body. Because if you don't feel like you're prepared, you'll give up early. The whole key to playing sports is not to give up. And so all of this crap aside – that's what it really comes down to. At what point are we going to say we're going to win and we're going to behave like winners and we're going to win games? That's it. All right. So, so you're, you're all these bullshit stats when the real stat is, did you win or did you lose? And you don't have to outplay the opposition. You have to outscore them. You are listening to Rugged Matrix America brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions and – uh, this is Alex Goff from Golf Rugby Report, along with Pat Clifton from Rugby Today and Bruce McLean. And the the issue there about you know you've you've got to win. Um, uh, does is Mike Friday the guy? Can, does, can I change can, that? Can, it's not that you. It's not that well, you have to win. You have to behave like a winner. Okay. Every okay. Day. You, you got it. You do, and and I agree with you on the whole rebuilding thing, and and you know it's just parroting that I'm. I, I guess I'm doing and parroting what other people say, but um, the, the the question I guess I'm thinking about this team is, you know, do you need to have your head coach in camp every single day to have them run out and train and do the thing? And, and does he have to be doing that every single day, or can you have? Like a staff, can you have your your assistants run that stuff, and you can go so, go somewhere else and do it, and then come in for a certain period of time and say, "All right, guys, this is how we're going to win this tournament." 
Does Dude, does that work? Because uh, because they it's they're only there. and and it stop talking. <laughs> it's yeah. just a deal. Your head coach has got to be there every single day. Period. End of sentence. Because your head coach needs to show that he is committed to his players, and then his players will commit to him. They need to have a personal relationship, a relationship of respect, and a relationship that where they understand each other and what makes each other tick. You don't just rock up and say, we're going to do it. That's not how it works. That's not how life works. But that's, you don't isn't, isn't told isn't that what the to plan? do. They need Pat, to be is, working is, together. Isn't that the, Pat, isn't that the perceived plan, though? That somebody's um, going to... Yeah, I, I think they're going to change... Look, I think they're going to change a little bit of what the format is, right? So the head coach before, what did Al Carroll really do before? Was he with the players day in and day out, every, every day for nine months? No, he wasn't. They had camps. I think they're going to go back and relook at that at that as the structure. They're going to be constantly in a training environment, and that's where Chris Brown's going to step in, and he's going to be running that training environment. That means he's going to be doing all the fitness and skill development. Then Mike Friday's going to come in for all the camps. Think old school sevens. That's all they had was camps. He's going to come in for the camps or for a predetermined amount of time before all the events and constantly be in communication with the players um, and with and with his coach. I, I think that's the plan. Now that look, that's not Mike Friday hasn't told me his plan. Chris Brown hasn't told me his plan. But that's what I've gleaned and what I've been able to pick up. And if it's going to work with him being the director of rugby for a club all the way in London, then some of that's going to have to happen. Is it going to work? I don't know. Am I going to say that it's not going to work? No, I'm certainly not going to say it's not going to work. Why? Well, uh, um, as an American, uh, our expectation at Olympics, when we spend a lot of money, is a medal. Uh, and a medal is the real barometer of success in the Olympics. And so it's not going to work because that's the barometer of success. We may not even go. But we ain't getting the medal. Not acting like that. It's not going to happen. I mean, seriously. Uh-huh. It, w- it wouldn't fly in any other sport. If Mike Krzyzewski was to say to you, yeah, you know what? I'm going to coach Duke on like the day before the game. But I'm going to be doing my other thing, you know, the other days of the week. And I- I'm going to show up to the games, most of them. Yeah, I mean, look, we can, we, we can, we can, you know, I, I don't know exactly how all the other Olympic sports work, but I will, I do know that Olympians, at least the ones at the New York Athletic Club, and it's been, you know, relative success that they've had 22 gold medals in 11 each of the past two Olympics and 17 medals in each of the past two Olympics. So I, I do get to meet these people every once in a while. And, and they toil in relative obscurity um, and work very, very hard at, at their craft, whereas people in rugby think like, yeah, I'm going to give that rugby thing a try and think they're going to rock up and get a gold medal. It's insulting. It's insulting to true Olympians, I'll tell you that. And it's insulting to a guy like Dan Payne, who really did try to make the Olympics. And... To think that that's because that's how they're looking at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go there and we're going to work on some skills and I'm, I'm going to get a medal. Anybody in mind? Like, that's just not what the Olympics are about. We're treating it as if it was, you know, some kind of high school AAU basketball tournament. 
It's a joke. That's not how you treat the Olympics. It deserves more respect than we're giving it. That's just my opinion. And I think that, you know, you could decide you're going to work properly to do what you got to, you know, you're going to be CEO of an organization, but hang out on the beach, you know, six days a week. All right, go ahead. The old saying goes, you can't play good football on Saturday if you remote the six other days of the week. Look, the Olympics don't start until 2016, right? It's 2014. So if Mike Friday is the director of rugby and does that kind of thing that we just talked about through 2014, that doesn't mean that his team in 2016 is going to suck or be subpar, right? Qualification, Uh, other than finishing in the top four, which ain't going to happen no matter if Gordon Mitchell comes over here and has all the players sleeping in a bunk bed in one room and he sleeps in the middle of them and they talk rugby 24-7 between now and 2016 – for the whole next 12 months, they're still not going to finish top four in the World Series. So the qualification process and all all realism doesn't actually start for the Eagles until after the IRB7's World Series. So to act like it's a giant travesty and he's spitting on uh, uh, Olympic medals of uh, Americans past by having this up where he's you know, splitting two jobs, I think is a little bit over dramatic. Well, you know, they've got to be ready. They've got to be ready for qualification before qualification happens. And they have to be starting to get ready right now. If they do qualify, it's quite possible Mike Friday might uh, say, all right, I'm moving to San Diego for a year and we're going to get ready to get those Olympics. Who knows? Um, but you have to be thinking about qualification right now. I don't know what the whole answer is. All I'm saying is that true Olympic champions dedicate their entire lives to it, and that's all they focus on. And they give up many, many things in the process. And hopefully our guys understand what it takes to be a true Olympic champion. Because I don't think that the sport of rugby in general has understood that in in, in rugby sevens. And so that's just my opinion. It's a professionalism thing. And I think that the way – I'm not saying that the people within the players and all those other things, they want it to be the way – and the coaches want it to be the best it can be. But I think that when you start doing things in a part-time basis, you start saying to guys, well, it's part-time. It only matters to him part-time. You know, that that's my opinion. And most of these other guys have private coaches that they, they work a job to pay their private coach. Like the diving coach work may work another job to pay a private coach or may have sponsors that, that to, you know, like the New York Athletic Club will sponsor people to participate in different games for them to become and be coached properly or be able to live or be able to, survive basically survive until they go to the olympics they certainly don't make any money at it and and you look at like the olympic crew team and things like that where they are they're going to law school or doing things and and getting up at five o'clock in the morning they get up five o'clock in the morning every morning well they get up on christmas because they look at it as an advantage that on christmas nobody else may be training that's my advantage day 
I, I understand. And I just think that is, we don't look at it that way. And until we do, agree. we ain't going to win. I agree. I, I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to separate what I agree hundred percent what you're saying when it comes to the players, I'm going to separate a lot, a little bit from the coaching situation, because I think it's something that's a hybrid needs to be considered, but from a player standpoint, something that's also happening recently, you lose Brett Thompson to a professional 15s contract. Brett Thompson had a choice. Do I want to chase a professional 15s contract or do I want to be an Olympian? He had to choose between the two. That's the choice he made. Blaine Schooley had the same choice. So not enough of our really, truly talented American rugby players, especially on the men's side, because they're the ones who actually have the choice presented to them, are making the choice to eat cereal every day of their lives for three, you know, for three meals a day and get by on the skin of their teeth until 2016 so they can stand on a podium instead of taking the professional route. And I'm not blaming them for that. That I, in no way, shape, or form am I blaming them for that. I can't say what I would do in that scenario or what the right decision is for any person. But I am saying that when we're constantly losing players from this Olympic setup that's trying to qualify because those players are not making the choice to make the sacrifices to be an Olympian, it's really problematic. And if it continues to happen, they're going to have any trouble building any kind of continuity. I think they're making the choice – based on the fact that they don't see it as a viable option to win. So they make the choice by saying, all right, I'm not going to win a medal. I may not even qualify for the Olympics. So I'm not going to bank on doing this because we've had four coaches in four years or three, however many it is. And we've done this and we've done this. And that's, and then you're looking at saying, that's what they're looking at. There's no continuity. There's no stability. They can't count on USA Rugby. They don't know that their contracts are stable. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of sevens anyway, So, but, but that all said, say I was, there, all of these things need to be in place to operate professionally. And when you're as a player, you got to look. You have a very short shelf life. I mean – so you, you don't have a long time to be one of those guys who's being picked or chosen or whatever. And, and, and they will throw you out as soon as get the next guy who runs a tenth of a second faster than you. And all of them know it. So they take what they can get when they can get it. Unless there was a vision, but nobody is allowing any kind of a vision to come to fruition where you can paint a picture of success. You need to be able to paint a picture of success to your team, to get them to buy in, to get them to understand, to get them to dream. To if you don't have a dream, how are you going to make your dreams come true? Yeah, and that's and that's, that's what you it know. Is. You should make that a you should make that a song actually. But the the it actually is a song. I know exactly. I'm making a joke. Right. I, 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 I know my I know my musical theater right. So that's South Pacific. Uh, the if you don't have the, a dream, the thing how is, there's, there's, there's not enough. There's not enough there. money in it, so you do need the dream because part of it is money. Uh, we have had players who've just decided not to play rugby seriously at all, and and just say, you know, I'm going to go over here and do this. I think that's kind of more damning than taking an overseas professional contract. I mean, overseas professional contract seems like something you'd really want. We also see that Carlin Isles is coming back to the United States, clearly. Uh, 
you know, with with the source of his issues and the team gone, it might, you know, his, his decision is to, to come back and try and play sevens. Um, that's very interesting on that part. I think we've beaten this dead horse. That'll do it for us here on Rugged Matrix America. Don't forget to check out Rugged Matrix America on iTunes and Twitter and Instagram and also the Rugged Matrix International Show. Uh, for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, this is Alex Goff from Goff Rugby Report thanking you for listening to Rugged Matrix America. Mm-hmm.